Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, October 4th, 2021. What does it take to go to heaven? That's kind of an important question, don't you think? I mean, what does someone have to do to change the course of their eternal destiny from hell to heaven? I don't think there's any question that could be more important than that. And as we think about that, sometimes I think we might make it more complicated than it needs to be. And today we're going to see one of the simplest, yet richest, and most beautiful pictures of that that we see in the entire Bible. And as we do that, I hope it's an encouragement to all of us to remember the gospel. Maybe for some of you, it's a call to believe in the gospel. Uh, But we're reminded that what it takes is not living a good life. It's not something you have to invest years of your life in. No, going to heaven can be something that's determined in a moment of time, even in one of the last moments of your life. Let's turn to Luke 23, verses 26 through 43. And as we go there, we're going to read the account of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We've been in a lot of the prelude of it. Uh, Jesus before the Jewish leaders, Jesus before Pilate, Jesus before Herod. He was delivered up. But today we read about him and Siren of Cyrene carrying the cross. And we read about him commenting and weeping for Jerusalem. Just stop and think about that for a moment. He is on his way to be crucified, yet he is weeping for others who are weeping for him. He's saying, whoa, 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 don't weep for me. Weep for Jerusalem. Uh, That's a powerful statement. We see the mercy of Christ, even on the cross, as he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But what I want us to spend most of the time looking at is what we read at the end here in verses 39 through 43. And here we read the story of the thief on the cross. It tells us, Uh, that Jesus was crucified, and you often even see in pictures the three crosses, Jesus on the middle cross, and then on his sides, two thieves uh, that were also being crucified. And in verse 39, it says, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So there we read that simple story where this thief on the cross goes from sinner who is literally in the middle of experiencing the death penalty to saved. And that very day he was with Christ in paradise. How did it happen? 
Did he perform some incredible act of penance? Was he baptized? Uh, Any of these things? No, it was just done in a moment. And you see it expressed so beautifully in just that, that, that plea, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's a good reminder to all of us that that is all that we've got. Not one of us will be able to stand before the Lord when we die and say, look at what I did, God. Can't you just not wait to welcome me into heaven? No, every single one of us will be saying, remember me. And that's my only hope. The grace of Jesus Christ on my behalf is the only hope there is for this sinner. And we talk often about the words that the New Testament uses to describe our response to the gospel, repentance and faith. Repentance, turning from sin, faith, trusting in Christ, kind of two sides of the same coin. And it's good for us to be reminded those aren't actions that necessarily take time. Uh, They're actions that will produce fruit, but it is not the fruit uh, that, that saves us, right? And I think we really see the heart of those things in the thief on the cross. And repentance and faith are things that can happen in an instant. And they're things that happen ultimately, they're not works. That repentance and faith are things that happen on the inside. And I think you really see both of those elements in the thief on the cross. I mean, you see a sense of repentance in that he's acknowledging his sin. You can't really repent and turn from your sin without acknowledging it. And he admits there in verse 41, we are suffering justly and we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. So there we we see an acknowledgement. I am a sinner and I am suffering and really receiving what I deserve for it. But he then you can see him put his faith in Christ. He acknowledges this man, he's done nothing wrong. He acknowledges the innocence and the purity of Jesus. And then we really see the faith and his trusting in Jesus as he calls out to Jesus in faith and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So did this man really produce a lot of fruit in his life? No. Did he get baptized? No. Did he lead anyone else to Christ? Well, I'm sure this story in scripture has led countless people to Christ, but I don't think in his lifetime he did, but it is that moment. And I hope that's something that fills all of us with just even encouragement. As we think of sharing the gospel with people, well, as long as they're alive, it is not too late. Someone can on their deathbed, after living a life of rotten sin, turn to Christ. And it's a good reminder for us that the good works are the fruit. They're never the root. The good works are not a part of us becoming a Christian at all. Now, doubtless, if after Jesus died, the Roman soldiers have been like, oh yeah, this was bad. Hey, hey, you two on the cross, we're sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll take you guys down. And, and this thief on the cross hadn't died. I, I'm confident he would have borne much fruit because of the genuineness of his faith and his repentance that Jesus even acknowledges. That guy, he's, he's going to heaven. But that those good works, they're not a part of us becoming a Christian. It's something that happens in the heart. It's something that happens in a moment. So I hope that's a good reminder for us that it's not about our works. That's not why we have confidence we'll be in heaven. Those are kind of backup. It's no, I'm confident I'm going to be in heaven because there's this savior that died for me and he's going to remember me on that day. 
And that, that's, our, that's our hope, right? It's a good reminder for us to keep sharing the gospel and not to write off people as too late. I mean, I think this guy, people, his friends, family, oh, yeah, that guy, it's a shame, right? But even know it wasn't too late until the end. So as we think about sharing the gospel, as we're reminded of our own conversion, or maybe even some of you right now is the moment where you need to say, man, my life is a mess. And you know what? I deserve it. My life is a mess because of my sin. But there's a savior and he suffered on my behalf and he didn't do anything wrong and cry out to Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. A beautiful story here in Luke 23. In our other passages today, I was again reminded of what an incredible help the believer has in our God. We finish up Psalm 115 today by reading verses 9 through 19. And remember, he's compared God to idols so far. And he's saying, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Idols, they can't hear. They can't speak. They can't walk. They can't do anything. Uh, but the Lord, and he repeats these things now a few times, starting in verse 9. Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Oh, house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. And so you might think, well, I'm, I'm not a part of the house of Israel and I'm not a part of the house of Aaron, but are you somebody that fears the Lord? And that's where, what does that look like? I think even again, the thief on the cross was a great example of the fear of the Lord. He realized I'm a sinner and I deserve punishment, but I'm looking to God for forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And if that's us, we can say, you know what, whatever's happening, God is my help and my shield and God will bless me. And that's where let's not pervert that into, you know, some extravagant health, wealth, thing, but God is with me. God is for me. God will be good to me. And therefore I will bless the Lord. That's what it says in verse 18, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Uh, What an incredibly encouraging passage. And, And there's more encouragement to come as we think of Hebrews chapter 10. And now he's going to start pivoting here in these passages as we've seen him just talking about how Christ is better. Christ is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the old covenant. He's better than the Levites. He's better than the sacrifices because of what he has done. And now we're going to see in chapter 10, verse 19, this big word, therefore. And a lot of the rest of the book is going to start to pivot into how do we respond to all of this? And it says there in verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
So you see something personal, kind of more vertical. Hey, we can hold on to our hope because God is faithful. The God who said in uh, Psalm 115 that he will be our help and our shield. And the God who said he will bless us, he is faithful. He will keep his promises. And so we can hold on to our confession and trust the faithfulness of God. The God who we have cried out to, to say, God, remember me. Jesus, remember me on that day. He's going to remember us. He's going to keep his promise. So there's that vertical component, but then there's the horizontal component of as we are encouraged by Christ, we need to encourage one another. And that's why we see the importance of fellowship. We need to be together. We need to get with other Christians so that we can encourage one another. Such an important thing. Well, let's wrap up with Isaiah chapters 48 through 50. And there's a lot of little things in here today. Isaiah is such a rich book. We think, well, it's long. It can be confusing at points, but man, there is gold in Isaiah if you dig. And even today, Isaiah 48, we see God again declaring his glory. In verse 6, you have heard, now see all this, and will you not declare it? From this time forth, I announce to you new things, hidden things that you have not known. Right? Again, talking about him declaring even the future, him being in control of everything. What an important thing. But you also see a sense of his mercy in verse 9. For my namesake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it from you, that I may not cut you off. That God was merciful and didn't wipe them out because of their sin. But in verse 10, he says, behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory, I will not give to another. So again, you you see God acting for his glory. And when God acts for his glory, that's where we'll find, we we, will also find he acts for our good, for those that fear the Lord. Chapter 49, we see another song about the, the servant of God, I think ultimately referring to the Messiah. And I love verse seven, thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One. So you see the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One. I think referring to Jesus Christ, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, all right, who was crucified, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. And also, we, we see that this servant in verse six, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And having somebody that's lived most of my life in California, Idaho, or even Texas, right? When you think about those places compared to Israel, It is harder to find a place that's more the ends of the earth kind of than the Western United States of America, unless you're really starting to get into the islands of the Pacific Ocean, right? We're about as ends of the earth as you can get um, from where all of this happened. So there's some great things there in Isaiah for us today, but I hope this is a great call for us back just to the simplicity of the gospel and that beautiful cry, remember me. And that all of us can look forward to that day, trusting in a God who keeps his promises. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.